Uh, this morning I began a series or get, began a message on how to fortify your faith. If there's anything that we need to guard and protect, and there's anything that we need to grow in, is our faith because we're believers and we should live by faith. The just shall live by faith. as Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. And folks, the hall of fame of faith is what I'm going through and that is Hebrews chapter 11. And I have been blessed uh, from in my heart deeply just studying this great chapter and helped deeply and I needed it. And I thank God for you uh, uh, listening along tonight by way of uh, internet. Some have dropped in and that's great. We're good, glad to see you. And I want to read verses 8 uh, through 14 again. The Bible says, Hebrews chapter 11, get your Bibles now. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place uh, which he should have received an inheritance, obeyed. So I want you to underline the word called and the word obey. And then I want you to look at this. It says, and he went out, amen, not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. There's a key word. As in a strange, a strange country, dwelling in the tabernacle with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him, the same promise. And he looked for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. And through faith also Sarah received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And I want you to underline the word promised. Therefore sprang there even of one of him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the skies in multitude and as the sands which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. I want you to notice the last phrase of verse 13 as we continue this message. It says that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. I want to give you a few characteristics while I continue the outline that I began this morning on what it means to be a pilgrim. So let's pray and ask God to bless. Father, thank you for uh, the report about Brother Austin. I pray, God, you continue to work. Give the doctors and nurses wisdom, please. And God, I pray for this hour that we have to worship together, that you'd use this broadcast, use this message uh, to increase our faith. And God, that we'd be more faithful, that we'd be believers that would bring honor and glory to your name. And God, that we'd see souls saved, that we'd see great things happen uh, all for your glory through faith. So Lord, please bless and use this message and we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. This morning we went over three things. Number one, that if you're gonna grow in faith, there must be a voice principle. You're called, verse eight says, by faith Abraham was called and the word of God is what calls us and through prayer and by his son, Hebrews chapter one, verse one and two, that we uh, see God through his son and then we see, number two, the venture of faith. The venture of faith, that means we ought to obey. Look at verse eight, it says he was called, but he just wasn't called. He received the message and put, took it to heart and obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. So our responsibility is not just totally understand, uh, but to, to respond and to live by faith. Listen, Christians, believers, do not live by exclamations. They do not uh, live by tracing God, but by trusting God 
And so a pilgrim should have obedient feet. Faith that does not uh, move, uh, do more than uh, listen, uh, is, uh, it, it acts, and it acts immediately. And the great word is obey. The key ver- word in the Christian life is trust and obey. It's a step of faith. That's how you got saved. Pilgrims must have obedient feet. Uh, amen. They live in tents, and they don't get so fixed to this world. Uh, they don't get so deep-rooted, so planted in this earth. Folks, we have a home ahead of us, and we need to realize that any time God wants to, he can take down our tent. He can take down our tabernacle, and we can exodus this world, and folks, take it up to glory in the rapture or by death. And so we're a citizen of heaven, not this earth. And we should be acting like that and beware of the friendship of the world, uh, which is enmity with God. Uh, Why does God not give uh, a lot of Christians... um, Faith is because they're not conformed to his image and they're not separated unto him and God does not give uh, his uh, secrets or his words or his promises uh, to people that don't want to obey. You need to walk in the light that God has given you. So there ought to be some pilgrim feet. God's pilgrims do not live on explanations, but they live on promises, promises, promises from God. Genesis chapter 12, one through three, God promised Abraham, that he'd be a seed of a great nation. And and Abraham expected that, and he moved by faith, by the promise of God. And I want you to turn to Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, and I'll show you something amazing about faith. Romans chapter 4 and verse 20. Don't you love the word of God? Amen, I love it. Glad I got something preached tonight. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, the Bible says, he staggered not at the promises of God. Through unbelief. That's when you start staggering when you don't believe. But was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Folks, the more that you exercise faith, the stronger you get. Abraham obeyed God. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how he was going. And he didn't leave any forward in address. God just said, go. And God blessed. And the beautiful thing about faith is that it grows as you step out in faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You have saving faith, but you also have sustaining faith. And praise God, that sustaining faith will help you to um, walk in faith and walk steadily. And it's all by his word, and it's a venture. It's an adventure. It's the most exciting life in the world is to live out of this world and for another world and to be a pilgrim passing through. I'm glad I don't belong to this world. I'm glad I'm not just a citizen of Georgia or United States of America, and I'm proud to be both. But thank God I'm a citizen of heaven. And folks, I guarantee you one day we're going to get our reward if we'll just step out by faith. Then we see number three, and I believe this is where I ended this morning, the value principle. And the Bible says dwelling in tents or tabernacles, excuse me. Uh, look, at, look at verse um, uh, nine. It says, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise. Land of promise in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. You'll notice a repeating word, that's promise. We live by promises, not explanations. We live by promises, not feelings. We live by the focus of what God tells us to do and we do it without wavering. And folks, that's uh, the voice of God. Then there's the venture of God. But I want to tell you something, there's the value value uh, principle in, the, in faith. We need to realize that our attention 
and our affections and our ambitions are fixed on the things of God, on the heavenly realm. We ought to set our affections on things that are above. And this world is not my home. I'm just traveling through that great song. Philippians 3.20 says we're, we're, our conversation is in heaven. That means we're citizens of heaven. And as I preached in closing this morning is that we should be conformed to the image of God and be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You'll never prove the will of God. You'll never live by faith until, you're, until you stop being conformed to this world and be transformed by the word of God and be separate. But I want to uh, dwell on this point then, tonight, number four, is that there's the vision principle. There's the vision principle. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, the Bible says this, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims uh, on the earth. That's the thought tonight. We're strangers and pilgrims. I think we're getting too 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 uh, uh, acquainted with this world. We're getting too comfortable, may I say, with this world. And so, folks, a pilgrim has steady eyes. Steady eyes. Look at verse 13. It says, uh, they received the promises having seen them afar off. Look at uh, verse 14. For they that say such things declare plainly they seek a country. See, they saw ahead and they knew by faith, they were heavenly minded that they were no earthly good. A lot of people are so earthly good, they're no heavenly good. Amen? They're so earthly minded, they're no heavenly good. We ought to be, we ought to be uh, heavenly minded. And folks, listen, we need to look for that city. We need to look for that country. Uh, folks, are you going to heaven tonight? Do you know him as, as your personal savior? And if, he, if you do, your home is not Dalton, Georgia. Your home is heaven. And sin came into the world and it shifted the attention from the heavenly to the earthly. Genesis 3, 6, uh, when the woman saw the tree, she saw it good for food. Her vision shifted. Abraham saw a famine and he backslid and went to Egypt. Lot lifted up his eyes. Now get this. <coughs> Lot lifted up his eyes <coughs> and uh, saw the plush valley of Jordan and the exciting city of Sodom. Uh, and, it's, and, he, and he stopped living as a pilgrim. And he had a, uh, the vision of faith uh, makes possible the victory of faith. And Lot lost it all. Lot lost it all. Uh, <clears throat> where are you looking? You ought to determine... Uh, where you look is where you're going. And your vision should be of heaven. And what is the victory that overcometh the world? But even our faith, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Faith enables us to see the invisible and treat it as relevant and important and preeminent. Uh, I think I read this verse this morning, but I want to read it again. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And verse 18. Boy, I appreciate you tuning in. If you weren't listening, nobody would be. But uh, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, look at verse 18, please. The Bible says this. It says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are seen are eternal. Faith is to the belief that what is... Um, 
important is eternity. And we're going to have a reward of our faith seeing what we believe. One day we'll see it. But until then, we need to believe it. And um, folks, the eye of faith is uh, forgetting those things that are in the past and focusing on the Lord. It's like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27 says. It says, by faith he forsook Egypt, feared the wrath of the king, for he endured his seeing him who's invisible. Isn't that a great verse? Moses saw him who is invisible. And folks, our greatest damage comes when we're distracted. We're distracted by discouragement. We're distracted by this world. You know, if you watch the news lately, I'll tell you what, you will uh, get discouraged. <laughs> you really will. <laughs> Excuse me. And sinuses will discourage you too. But I want to tell you something, folks. We need to realize that um, the obstacles are coming in our lives when we take our eyes off the goal, when we take our eyes off God. And um, we need to be uh, not distracted, but we need to be attracted to the things of God. And we need to stay in the word of God, especially in these last days. And, uh, you know, it, it was amazing in Matthew chapter 14 when the disciples, or when the disciple got distracted by the wind and the waves and Peter sunk because he took his eyes off Jesus. Folks, distractions lead to detours. And detours can gradually take us off course. And detours can be subtle and they can uh, deceive you and control your purpose. And uh, folks, the faithful few uh, catch a vision and stay on course, disobedient to the heavenly vision, the Bible says in Acts chapter 26, verse, verse 19. So you can always tell one of God's pilgrims by his or her eyes. They're not fixed on the artificial glory of this world. I got that on the screen. It's not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not transfixed by the artificial glory. They don't live to be recognized. They don't live uh, for the attractions of the world and, and they're not distracted. See, unbelief sees problems. Faith sees potential. Unbelief sees obstacles. Faith sees opportunities. The glory of the heavenly vision adds excitement to the dullest of, uh, of, of tasks. No matter what you do for God, if you see the eternal value of it, you wait upon the Lord and you renew your strength and you mount up with wings as eagles and you can fly him in the adverse winds of time because you have open ears, you have obedient feet, but you have steady eyes. You have a fresh vision, a fresh vision. Uh, you ought to get a good vision. You ought to be able to see things that people cannot see. Once there was a fellow that came into a psychiatrist, uh, excuse me, a, a psychiatrist's office. And the receptionist said, uh, 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 what are you here to see? He says, I got to see the doctor. He says, because I have become invisible. And the nurse went back and said, uh, doc, there's a guy out there and I think he's lost his mind. He says that he's invisible. And the doctor looked at the nurse and says, go tell him we can't see him. But I'll tell you this, friend, God help us if we, God help us if we get distracted by the things of this world, amen? Abraham's vision enabled him to see the invisible, uh, to see the eternal. And folks, he was not earthly minded. He was, uh, he, was, he was not worldly minded. He was heavenly minded. Look at Colossians chapter three. Colossians chapter three, please. Verse one and two. Colossians three, one and two. The Bible says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above 
where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of earth, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. I want to ask you a question. Do you see him? Do you see him in every trial? Do you see him in every tribulation? Do you see him? Do you see him as King of kings and Lord of lords during this pandemic? Do you see him as uh, the God that's still on the throne when everybody seems to be falling apart and there's chaos in the streets in America and bitterness reigning and ruling, but thank God he's still on the throne and one day he's going to have the government upon his shoulders and he'll set things straight. And so we need to realize there ought to be a vision principle. We ought to draw from the eternal count of heaven. Abraham had many tests and he passed some and he failed some. I'll go into that next week. And um, many tests that opposed his faith. And so folks, we need to have a, we need to have a, uh, a faith that sees, that sees. And then there's also this. Uh, fifthly, there's the vocal proclamation of faith. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. I love verse 13, don't you? It says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. But look at this. But having seen them afar off. Now listen. And were persuaded of them. What are you persuaded about? And then it says, embrace them. What do you embrace? Do you embrace the world? Or do you want the whole world to embrace you? Let me just say this. This party's not about you. This life's not about you. Everything shouldn't revolve around you. I won't tell you what it ought to revolve around. God Almighty. Heavenly vision. Heavenly priorities. And folks, I want you to see this vocal proclamation. Thank God. It says, then they were persuaded of them. They embraced them. And then look at this, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. For they say such, such things declare plainly, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Folks, I want to tell you another characteristic of a pilgrim. He has ready lips. He has open eyes. He has obedient feet. He has steady eyes. Praise God. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're fixed on God. His open ears, that's the voice of God that you ought to hear through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, and through the Word of God. But folks, ready lips. Uh, God's pilgrims are not only walking, they're talking. I don't believe you ought to let your talk exceed your walk. Amen. A lot of people talk, but they don't walk it. And your walk talks a lot louder than your talk. But I want to tell you something. While you walk it, you ought to talk it. You ought to tell them what your hope is and who your hope is. You can always identify a pilgrim by his readiness, uh, that vision that controls him, to not be ashamed. To not be ashamed. Admit that you're a pilgrim. Amen. You're not of this world. Abraham is honored by even cults today. And I want to tell you something, friend. The reason he is because he walked the walk and he didn't just talk the talk but he confessed that he was just a pilgrim passing through. Pilgrims are not ashamed of the gospel. Neither should you be. Uh, folks, listen. We never know um, what God's going to do in this world, especially these crisis times, to put you in a place to be a witness and tell the world what who your hope is. Amen? Who your hope is. God's pilgrims are not ashamed to admit that they're seeking another country. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 14. They seek a country. Folks, we ought to realize our world. this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. And when you con- contrast uh, Abraham's nephew and him, you see a great difference. You see a great difference in contentment and joy and peace. Lot uh, was content to settle down in Sodom. Abraham had to keep moving because he had a heavenly vision and his heavenly home was there before him. Lot was willing to sacrifice his daughters for the lusts of a worldly crowd. Abraham put his only son on an altar and dedicated him to the Lord. And God used him as a seat of a great nation. And folks, uh, Lot lost his personal witness. His family mocked him. He couldn't even reach his own son-in-laws. Couldn't reach his own family. Uh, And Abraham blessed his home, his nation, and uh, we're blessed today. Look at Genesis chapter 18, please, and verse 19. One of my favorite verses in Genesis. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, the Bible says this about Abraham and the reason he was such a great and mighty man of God and pilgrim that was passing through. He didn't forget his family. Uh, uh, Genesis chapter 13, or yeah, chapter 13, we see Lot leaning and lusting and looking and then just losing everything. But in Genesis chapter 18, verse 18, the Bible says, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of earth shall be blessed in him. Listen to this. For I know him. You need to have a personal relationship by faith in God. Uh, that he will command his children and his household after him. They shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. So he's going to be a great nation because he rules his family and loves his family and leads his family by faith. Say amen there. Thank God for the life of faith. And so there's a big difference in Abraham and there's a big difference in Lot. And when you see Lot and you see his testimony in First uh, Peter or Second Peter, I believe it is, uh, that sin vexed his soul, he was saved, but he, but he lost his testimony. There's one thing you cannot afford to lose and that's your testimony, your testimony. God help us not to lose our testimony that we're pilgrims, that, we, that we're just passing through, that we're not um, uh, to love this world or neither the things of the world, but we're to come out of the world and be separate and be sanctified, not holier than thou, just a holy purpose, a holy purpose for God. And then I want you to notice in verse 11, another principle, and I'll close with this one, and we'll get to the victory of faith next Sunday morning. But in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered a child when, he was, when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Folks, we see the vigilant heart, the vigilant uh, uh, principle. He judged, she judged him faithful. Now folks, I want to tell you something. Before that, there was a lot of mistakes. I want you to know this in closing tonight is that we're in a warfare and that warfare is after your faith. The devil wants to devour your faith. He wants to devour your family. He wants to devour your love. He wants to devour everything in your life, but he's after your faith. I'll prove it scripturally. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 32. Luke chapter 22. And I want you to look at um, uh, verse, uh, and this is Peter. And the Lord's speaking to him, and uh, it's right before he 
denies the Lord, and he said he wouldn't. He had pride. He said, I'll never deny the Lord. But I want you to look at Luke chapter 22, and I want you to look at verse uh, 31. The Bible says, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Now listen to this. But I have prayed for thee. What was he praying for Peter? That thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, and that has nothing to do with uh, conversion of salvation, but getting right with God and coming back to the Lord, strengthen thy brethren. He wrote First and Second Peter. I guess he did strengthen them. And he gave his life as a martyr. But I want to tell you something, folks. We must guard our heart. We must guard our faith. What did the Bible say? Jesus praying for Simon not to have his faith devoured. The devil is after your faith. He uses discouragement. Hey, listen, he uses distractions. Some people, uh, they, he uses pride. You get so much faith in yourself that you don't pray. You have so much faith in yourself, you don't feel like you need to come to church. I'm not talking about this uh, Pacific time. I'm talking about ever. And folks don't even want to go to church because you feel like you can make it on your own. That's nothing but pride. You need God and you need His Word and we need each other. And folks, listen, it's a warfare. We must guard our family. We need to guard our hearts. I told the story this morning of the man that uh, took a great job, he thought, in uh, Knoxville. And he moved out of the will of God and he said bye to us and he lost his boys. They were boys that sat on the front row and soaked it up and loved God's word and they never got back in church. As far as I know, they're not back in church today as grown men because he decided that uh, he couldn't take a lesser salary for the character of his kids, for the, for, the, for the strength of his kids and he lost it all. We need to guard against that. We need to guard against the distractions and the appetites of the world and the deceiving, devouring devil he wants to sift your faith and thus devour your testimony. And, and Peter lost his testimony for a while, lost his effectiveness. We're in a warfare. You know one of the greatest arm, parts of the armor in the warfare, Ephesians chapter 6, put on the shield of the helmet of salvation. That means you know you're saved and you know there's a finish line, so you keep fighting until the war's over. But folks, you also lift high the shield of faith. And the shield of faith was like a five-foot shield that literally was coated with leather and metal and wood, and it quenched all the fiery darts of the enemy. The Bible says that we might quench the fiery darts of Satan, of the devil. Ephesians chapter 6, read it sometime. And I want you to see this picture. Folks, the devil will try to shoot the dart of atheism to you. Say, God's not alive. God's not real. And you need to hide behind the shield of faith. Uh, he'll try to uh, shoot the dart of discouragement. Discouragement. And it's discouraging. Uh, as I think about my dear friend laying up there in the ICU unit, it discourages me if I, if I dwell on that. And I have to trust God, that God's with him, and God's able, and God's able to raise him up, and God's able to encourage Miss Betty that's always by his side. And it breaks my heart. And if I dwell on that long, I just, I just, the devil can use it. And uh, we can question God why. And folks, we're not to ask why. We're not, we don't live on explanations. We live on promises. And the promise is that God's still on the throne and that God's still able. And folks, Abraham had many tests in his life that he failed terribly. He even lied about his wife and called her his sister. 
uh, he went down to Egypt and on and on. But praise God, one test he, he, uh, he passed, and that was when he laid Isaac on the altar. Amen? And, and Calvary was seen with the ram in the thicket. And God provided himself a sacrifice. And the Lord called the place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is here. The Lord is able. God is able. God will provide. We need to believe that. <coughs> we need to believe that with all our heart and not fail the test. Sarah laughed at God. and says, I'm over 90 years old. How can I have a baby? And it's supposed to be a seed of a great nation. But I want to tell you something. Abraham didn't laugh. But he leaned on God's promises. And he drew nigh to God. I want to say this in closing. This is my last sentence. My last words. You need to draw nigh to God. And the only way to draw nigh to God is you need to draw nigh to God by submitting and yielding your life to God and saying, Dear God, increase my faith. Now if the disciples had to pray that, who are you not to pray it? Who am I not to pray it? And folks, I want to tell you this and I want to tell you straight. Is the devil can do one thing in your life He's going to aim at your faith. He's going to try to get you discouraged. He's going to try to get you to swell up with pride. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's no place to part, and there's no place to try to analyze. Uh, There's no place to uh, compromise. What we need to do is draw nigh to God. Let me just give you a promise in James 4, 7, and 8. The Bible says this, Submit yourselves therefore to God, and then resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. That's a divine order. And You'll never resist the devil until you submit to Him. How do you submit to God? Have faith in God. Read your Bible when you don't feel like reading it. Pray when you don't feel like praying. Hey God, uh, be obedient, even though you don't understand why that you have to be. Be a pilgrim with a, a faithful disposition and dedicated heart. God wants you to have a dedicated heart. And I'll preach more on that next week, but it says draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Isn't that relevant for today? And purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so the Bible says this, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Now listen to this. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. I want to tell you what humility is. Humility is believing that God is able and you're not. God is able and you're not that God will come through and that God has made us a promise and that He said, draw nigh to me. Isn't that a great call? That God wants to comfort you, God wants to strengthen you, God wants to lead you, and God wants to enable you to be a pilgrim and a stranger that's passing through this earth. But while you're a pilgrim and stranger, He wants you to be an ambassador, a witness, a representative, Folks, He wants you to be a voice crying in the wilderness. He wants you to be a display of His love and a display of the peace that passes understanding. And folks, all that's accomplished by not trying to get real emotional or not trying to turn over a new leaf. All that's accomplished by realizing and confessing that you're a pilgrim, a pilgrim uh, that's listening to God's voice, that's um, got uh, uh, ears that are open to God's voice. And then, uh, and then uh, steady feet of, of obeying God, obeying Him, claiming His promises, and then, of course, a valued principle, and that means that you know that you're just a pilgrim passing through. This world is not your home. 
and thank God a vision. I mean, eyes that are steady on Him. Keep your eyes on the Lord during this time. Keep your eyes on the Lord every day. Open your Bible and see Jesus. Pray and see Jesus. Oh, folks, we need a greater vision of who God is. And then last but not least, a vigilant principle. We need to guard our heart. We need to guard our faith. We need to, we need to have a dedicated heart and not lean towards Sodom and not lean towards the world and to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord and, and being a pilgrim and a stranger on this earth to bring great glory to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this message. Uh, Lord, I just touched the surface of it, but I'm excited about Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm excited, dear God, that what you've taught me and what you've shown me through this wonderful chapter to encourage my heart. And I pray that the message has done exactly that for everyone that's listening. And we've been encouraged to live by faith, to be pilgrims with a steady eye and a listening ear. Dear God, st uh, steady feet. Uh, Lord, uh, a readiness and a responsiveness to your word uh, with a clean heart and a diligent heart. God, help us to have faith. Increase our faith. God, help us to have faith in this time that's so heartbreaking and so violent and so wicked out there. God, this heartbreak of so many people dying of this virus and all over the world. And God, I pray, dear God, that you draw us closer to you than ever before. And we pray this, God, for your glory and your honor. Please, God, increase our faith. Well, thank you and praise you for using the message. I pray, God, if there's anyone that's listening that's not saved, that the day they'd take the, the initial step of faith, that they'd have trust in you, that they believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord, that they'd call upon you by faith. For by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift of God. And Lord, help someone to receive that gift right where they're listening and trust you with their entire life. God, to be back in union with their Creator. What a wonderful experience to be saved, to be forgiven, and be on the way to heaven. And then, Lord, as they grow, that they'll realize that you called them to be a pilgrim, a stranger, a witness, and that this world is not long, no longer their home, but heaven's their home. And, Lord, this world's not their Lord but you're their Lord. And God, I praise you and thank you for what you're going to do in and through lives through this message. In Jesus' name, amen.